0: Hallelujah! my Bible is somewhere down there <laughs> I was like looking everywhere what happened to that Bible mm. thank you thank you hallelujah not too long ago Paul Manwaring who is a fellow that used to be at Bethel Church and now is in the UK tweeted out this neat thought that um, in the Gospels, Matthew has the wise men, Mark has no birth, Luke has the shepherds, and John just cuts to the chase and gets to the theology. And then he made the comment, we need more than one perspective. So in the Gospels, you have a diff- different perspectives of the birth of, of the Lord. And many things, the, the way the Holy Spirit moved in the pre- presentation of the Gospels, there's different faces that we can see of the Lord. And um, so I want to encourage you over the next space of time, the next couple of weeks while you're at home, sitting in front of the fire, if you get a fire. (laughs) Pastors believe in God for a a fireplace insert. If you get a fire and you're sitting in front of that fire, I want to encourage you to read the Gospels. And just let the different ways that Jesus is uh, told, the story is told through the how the Spirit moved through the the people who were telling this, that story. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, I'm going to read today from the Passion Translation. and um, Hallelujah. Alrighty. John, chapter 1. Verse 14. Oh, I don't want to turn these pages. They're so beautiful. This is my new Bible. It's got my name on it. Um, Verse 14. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us, and we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only The glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people he is the one. Set your hearts on him. I told you he would come after me even though he ranks far above me for he existed before I was even born. And now, out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him, we receive grace heaped upon more grace. <laughs> Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved Son who is cherished by the Father and held close to His heart. And now He has unfolded to us the full explanation of who God truly is. Father, bless Your Word and the reading of it in this house, and may it sink into our hearts in revelation and in the reality of who You are and what You have done. The Word became flesh, the KJV says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This flesh, the only begotten of the Father. Only begotten means really only born, the only born Son. The only born of a human son that God ever had was Jesus Christ. The only born son of a human that God ever had was Jesus Christ. Genesis 3 Verse 15, prophesied of his coming and said concerning the serpent who had deceived and tricked man, there will come the seed of a woman, not born by a natural husband. It doesn't say that in Genesis. I'm saying that piece. The seed of a woman, not born of a natural husband, but born of the word of the Lord and the Spirit hovering over the Virgin Mary. He came, the only born human son of God, Jesus Christ. He was born of God. And so when the son was given, the father was revealed. When the son was given, the father was revealed. And so God, we think of God as creator. Think of God as like creator. When I think of a creator, I always think of an inventor like a scientist, like Bill Nye, the science guy. We think of God as a creator. He is the creator. And when we think of him as a creator, we think of him as like a scientist. You were not made in a petri dish. Or you were not made... By God in some distant way, where He has on a lab coat and glasses so He doesn't let some of who you are splash up on His face. God did not make you in a lab coat and safety glasses. But when we think of Creator, we think of scientists. That's kind of like distant, inventor, and creator. We think of Redeemer because He is a Redeemer. We think of the lawyer and the judge. When someone's being redeemed, there is a legal transaction taking place. Remember the story of Boaz and Ruth? And when she came and she was totally poor, they lost everything, she had no husband. The whole destiny of that family looked to be completely cut off by the death of the two sons of Naomi. And so here they come, but there's this relative this relative named Boaz. And Boaz decides he can redeem Ruth. He can, he can marry her, take her for his, and raise up children to the name of, of that family. And so when that process is taking place, it's not a process of like, oh, uh, just, you know, write a little note and say, I think I want to marry Ruth. He had to go to the gates of the city he had to come to the legal place where legal and valid transactions were made. And at that place, he had to be there and he had to make his intention, had to be sure that the other one who was closer kin, do you know who's closer kin to you than, than the Lord Jesus in your flesh? The closer kinsman is your flesh. And I want to tell you today, the closer kinsman, your flesh cannot redeem you. Have you ever tried to redeem yourself with your flesh? Oh my goodness, that's like the most uh, sad outcome. (laughs) The saddest outcome. And so there's this transaction that takes place, and it's a legal transaction. So when we think of Redeemer... Boaz stepped up there. He said, I can't remember if he threw out his shoe. Did he throw his shoe? Because in those days, when you were going to redeem something or buy something, you threw out your shoe. Um, and so it was a legal thing. It's like, stamp that thing, judge. There goes the shoe. It's done. I saw a shoe fly. It's, it's happening. So this Redeemer, lawyer, judge, we think of God as creator, redeemer, These are big parts of who God is. But when Jesus was the born Son of God, something else became known about God that was not a commonly known factor. When Jesus came as the born Son of God, God was revealed as the Father of Jesus. God was revealed as a Father we think of god as a father father we say our fathers give me you need to do 10 our fathers you you didn't do what you were supposed to do you cussed so do 10 our fathers and so we're thinking our father our father but when at that point in time when jesus was born god was thought of more as a creator thought of more as a legal person as a judge As a redeemer in the sense of if you do these actions right. But when the born son came, everything changed. Because God began to be revealed as father. You can think of a creator as a scientist. You can think of a redeemer as a lawyer and a judge. But when you think of a father, you think of somebody who lives with me. And nurtures me. Somebody who's close lives with me and nurtures me. Someone who gave me life. You know, the New Testament tells us of fathers. uh, Tells fathers. Fathers, don't be harsh and angry with your children. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I always think that means, well, teach them about God. But when I was thinking of this, I, th- I thought, oh, it's more than that. There is a nurture in God. And God is exhorting fathers. Bring your children up in the nurture of the Lord. Let the nurturing heart of the Lord be your part as fathers. So I just exhort all the fathers in the house. Let the nurturing heart of God be your part. Because God is more than a maker, more than a lawyer and a judge. He's a life giver and a nurturer. And so when you think about bringing up someone in your nurture, you're really not thinking about, I don't think about, when I use the word nurture, I'm not thinking about didactic. I'm not thinking about teaching or uh, rules or theology. When I think of nurture, I'm thinking about hugging, caring, not letting a kid get by with something they shouldn't get by with, <laughs> watchfulness, a careful teaching and discipline. What it really boils down to when you think of the Father and God as the Father that's revealed, that is we move from technicalities of what you do into realities of what He does and life becomes relational. So that knowing God is not you do this at the temple on these days, you present yourself here, you give this sacrifice. The scripture tells us And of his fullness we have all received. And so of his fullness, how God gave himself, we received spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. This is how the Amplified says, verse 16 of John 1. We received spirit. It's not God trying to see what he can get out of you. What he can get from you. This is God saying, this is what I can give you. This is what I have given you. This is what my heart is to give you every day. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Favor upon favor, the Amplified translates, verse 16. And gift heaped upon gift... And of his fullness we have received gift, gift heaped upon gift, favor upon favor, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And then the scripture says Verse 17. It's, this is a conjunction scripture. Y'all like conjunctions? Do you know what conjunctions are? Kim, you got to teach Jackson about conjunctions. You have to. So, conju- <laughs> she just got to, Susie. For the law was given, for, for the law was given by Moses. The law that was given by Moses was more about what I give God. Was it not? Think of the law. The law that was given by Moses. For the law was given by Moses. And that is more about what I give God. Obedience, sacrifice. These things are true in Christianity, but they're not the first part. They're not the genesis. They're not the first part of Christianity. For the law was given by Moses, what I give God. But, oh, I love you conjunction. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so the law came by Moses, what I give God. But in Jesus Christ, grace and truth is given. And that is what God gives me favor on top of favor, spiritual blessing on top of spiritual blessing, gift on top of gift, grace and truth. And so that it's not a matter of, i got to try to be a Christian. I've tried to be a Christian all my life. Judy and I have the same testimony. We were probably saved like 500 times each in the Methodist church. It's like a thousand salvations there between the two of us. Every time they have a revival I'd be down at the altar like, Oh God, I've cursed. Oh God, I've been drinking. Oh no, I went out with boys and oh I don't even say. And and so always at every revival getting saved again, but I can tell you when the revelation came to me of what God gave me in Christ Jesus, grace and truth came to me. And I never had to go back again and try to be saved again because He saved me with His grace and with His truth. The truth of God is that you don't keep trying to be better, trying to be better, trying to be better. And out of this fullness, out of this favor on top of favor, blessing on top of blessing, gift on top of gift, you pour out love to him because it turns from technical, legal to relational. You know, I told you guys I didn't have the most dandy relationship with my father. Actually, it was scary. When I was a little kid, it was great. But then in the eighth grade, he made a choice and introduced things into his life. That put us at so much risk. Oh my God, it's a miracle of God that I'm standing here alive. He hunted me one time to kill me. He was so mad at me, he came for me. and My cousin met him at the door. I hid at her house and she met him at the door, Mabel Blackburn. And she said, Bob, you're not coming in here. And she had a ball bat in her hand. And she meant business. She was going to protect me. That was the Lord. Saving my life. And then they took me and hid me someplace he would never have suspected me until he was able to sober up. And the time passed. So when I think about when I first became filled with the Holy Spirit and I had to, I thought about God as a father, it literally kind of turned my stomach. I, I didn't have that warm feeling of a of a dad that was the things that dads are to be or should be in God, that was not there for me. and But the Holy Spirit did not let that go. And he came. He just kept coming to me, visiting me, pouring into me, until I was able to yield that away. In the time of the revival that came here, might have been the year before the Lord visited me in May of 1979 before the revival I went to my father's house I went to give him forgiveness I went to give him forgiveness I gave him forgiveness because God gave me grace to give him forgiveness it wasn't something that I could just do, but I promise you, after I gave him forgiveness, everything changed in my relationship to him. And when I came into a troublesome time in the early 90s, it was my daddy who, who called me, you, you come down here, I'm going to give you a car. And Dad, daddy gave me two cars. My daddy was not a person who gave stuff away like to his kids or whatever, once you got big, you better figure it out yourself. So <laughs> he, But then he said to me, uh, I said, Daddy, I'm in, a, I'm in a bad situation. I've done things I'm not proud of. And it was my daddy who said to me, Janie, honey, Forgive yourself. If I didn't have forgiveness, if I hadn't gotten forgiveness, I could not even live the things I've done in my life. And so I entered into a relational thing with my father through the processes. But I want to hold out to you today that your father in heaven, you know, whether you have a father on earth, some people have fathers on earth, and some people don't have fathers on earth that they know. A lot of people don't have fathers on earth that they know. Um, Robert Murray McShane, Scottish minister, great man of God. He was a boy when his daddy died. I don't know, maybe five, six years old. He was a young boy. And he wrote in his memoirs, When my father died, I began to seek the father who could never die. So I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ, when he came as a born son, he brought into the world the revelation that there is a father that will never die. There is an everlasting father who wants to hold you, love you, give to you, pour into you, nurture you, have relationship with you. Grace and truth, that's the grace and truth that comes by Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful grace to be uh, to have the revelation of God the Father. To receive that. So that your obedience to God and your life in God is not a life that is strife and struggle and evaluation continually and what is that word called? Condemnation. Guilt. I... Hate shame. I can't tell you how much I hate shame. Is there anybody in here that loves shame? Oh, isn't that the most miserable feeling when you have a sense of shame about something? But that's what the devil loves. He likes to dish out shame, guilt, condemnation. You'll never measure up. You've got a loose screw somewhere in your head, and it just doesn't all come together right. I'm pretty sure I got six or seven loose screws, but I'm not depending on my head to put it together right. My hope is in Jesus Christ and in the love of this Father who's cuddled me up. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read to you from the Passion. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is in the gospel according to Isaiah. A child has been born to us. Um, Simmons in the Passion says a child has been born for us. And a son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest upon his shoulders. When I'm in a struggle about any kind of dominion, Any kind of dominion over me, over appetites, over crazy thoughts or whatever. If there's a dominion issue going on, I like to stand in front of Father and say, Oh, you said the responsibility for total dominion rested on the shoulders of the Son that you gave. They don't rest on my shoulders. They rest on His shoulders. And I can exercise the dominion that I have in Christ. Responsibility of complete dominion rests on His shoulders. And His name will be called the Wonderful One. Oh, God, I love it The Extraordinary Strategist. Oh, come on! The Extraordinary Strategist. The Mighty God. The Father of Eternity. In the KJV, it's Everlasting Father. The one who will never die. The prince of peace. You know that in Christ, I believe it's Colossians, if it's Ephesians, somebody out there smarter than me, like Pam Minnick, yell, No, Jane. The scripture says that in Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Maybe Galatians. In Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, so that in him the Father was in Christ. How many times did Jesus say, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't do anything except what I see my Father do. The Father was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That was what was going on there. Jesus was not alone. The Father was in Christ. Great and vast is his dominion. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. When you get afraid about the world, because there's some crazy stuff going on, man. Y'all know that this is true? When you get afraid about the world, um, oh, in India, some of the saddest stuff ever is going on there. The BJP party, well, I need to be careful, it's going on online. But the BJP party is ruling. And they're in favor of India becoming a, a Hindu nation. Like some nations are this and some nations are that. And I want India to become a Hindu nation. It's kind of the desire of the BJP. But I want to tell you that we don't have to be afraid when we see things happening. Or we're thinking, how's this going to work? How are we going to do this? How? That's not for us to do. He will have the dominion and he will rule. And his kingdom expands and expands and expands and expands. And that's his job. And so this king, this child that's given, this son that was born, he will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it by promoting justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. The marvelous passion that the Lord Yahweh has, the commander of the angel armies, has for his people will ensure that it is finished. And the word there is in KJV, the zeal of the Lord will perform it. That, is, that word is jealousy. He will burn hot with jealousy to rule and to have dominion. That's his heart. That's his heart because he knows what's the good thing and the best thing. And he's the father of the nations of the earth. He's the father and the God of all the families of the earth. His heart is set on the families of the earth and on the nations. To bring them into the fullness of his peace and of his kingdom. This describes an intense devotion. The Father has an intense devotion. Not that we have to come up with intense devotion. Did you ever have somebody like you like in the natural sense and you didn't really like them all that much and they just wouldn't let go of it? <laughs> and that all oh, reminds me of the story of Pastor and John. He just wasn't gonna let go of it. <laughs> he chased her, he pursued, he followed was intense. So we're always thinking, how can I, what do I need to do to love God more? Hey, come on. Just be aware. He's got intense devotion. And he's after you. He's after you. And the people that you see, you know, you love, you're like, oh, I wish they knew God. Just say, come on, jealousy of the living God. Let your intense devotion just chase this one down. We don't have to cook up all kinds of little methods. But he'll give us methods because he's a great, what does he say? He's an extraordinary strategist. An extraordinary strategist. The portrayal of God as a father is kind of rare in the Old Testament. He's called the father of the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy and in Isaiah. He's only called the father of individuals 15 times in the entire Old Testament. The father imagery is present, but the term father... Is not particularly used. It's a personal term. This changes in the New Testament when the born son came on the scene. In the New Testament, the affectionate term father was Jesus' favorite way to address God. It is used 65 times in the Synoptic Gospels. You guys know what the synoptic Gospels are? There's like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're the synoptic Gospels. And then John's theological, he's kind of set off by himself because he was like floating out there somewhere in Patmos or something writing amazing thing. Um, Sixty-five times in the synoptic Gospels the word Father is used. One hundred times in the Gospel of John. And in the Aramaic, the word that is used is not Oh, my father. is Abba. Daddy. When we were little kids, we called our daddy, Daddy. We hit it like with an A, Daddy. Um, But there's affectionate, it's an affectionate term that he used for father. Abba. It's the term that in that day, Little children use. How little kids run to their daddies and what they call them. And little kids really will say their daddies, they'll say daddy before they'll say mama. I don't know what that is, if that's something wrong with their tongue or what. (laughs) They need to have like a surgery at birth so their mouth will make mama mama before it says da 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 da. But whatever, (laughs) they will do that. But these terms that Jesus used were the child terms. He referred to the father in the word that little children refer to their father. It was relational. It was nurturing. So when we think of Jesus coming into the world, we think, oh, there's a sweet little baby. You know, in Talladega Nights, they would they pray, the movie Talladega Nights. I don't advise you watch it, but I was using this term one day, and Andre said, Jane, Jane. I love how he would, you know, he'd say, Jane, don't say that. But they prayed over the meal, and they prayed, uh, they prayed to little baby Jesus. And I said, Oh, baby Jesus, or something. And Andre said, Jane, that's out of Talladega Nights. That's, <laughs> that's probably not a good thing. Uh, so, we're thinking about God in the term of a, a little child, the affection of a little child, but at Christmas time, we kind of turn our eyes on the little baby. And that's cool. Because that's how God came, the firstborn son. You don't get born as a grown-up. That would be a nightmare for a mother. <laughs> I mean, that would be like, can you imagine how pregnant you would be? By <laughs> And then the whole process. Whoa. So he came as a baby, but he wasn't revealing to us God as a baby. He came as a baby not to cause us to focus on the babiness of it. He came as a baby to cause us to focus on the fact that a father gave this baby that was God. So that we we see the baby, but oh my, a father gave this human baby that was God. The seed of the woman is here, a little thing. I love the video that they put together. I love how those little the children did and all the little different 55 Marys that they had in there, all the different things. Uh, 15 different people played in that little skit that you saw. I love all of that. But what Jesus came to say and do, and what happened in the birth of this baby was not necessarily the revelation, here is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. It is, here is God the Father giving you a baby. There's a Father in heaven. If, you're, if you've never had a child, uh, if you're a male and you've never had a child, you're not a father of uh, you're not, a, you're not a father if you've never had a child. Brayden is not a father. Thank heaven. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's a young man. Brayden looks like he should be in the 12th grade. And what, are you going in the 9th? 13, but 12th grade, I said. Are you going in the 9th grade? Yeah. He looks like he should be going in the 12th grade. He's going into the 9th grade. But Brayden is not a father. Mike Bracken is a father. Because he has a child. We know he is a father, he has a child. That's kind of straight line logic. If You have a child, you are a father. And so that's what God was revealing to us in the giving of his son. It's setting a thing in motion where God is entering the earth in the person of his son. Have you ever watched a child of, of someone and, and look at them and think, oh my goodness, you are the total image of your parent. Yeah, Shane's a little girl. I'm like, whoa, gosh, okay. And Mike and Anna like, saw a picture of him and said, oh my goodness, that's exactly how Shane stood as a child. That's the exact expression that was on his face. <laughs> okay. In our world, there are many people that are fathers, have father hearts that are not birthing, had birthed a father. But the heart of a father can be in a person, whether they birthed a child or not, because of the actual real father in heaven. He puts his heart of nurture and love in us. And so Jesus came to show us that. John 1, verse 17. Back to John 1, verse 17. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils the truth wrapped in tender mercy. And verse 18 says, No one has ever gazed Upon the fullness of God's splendor splendor, splinter, <laughs> splendor. Except the uniquely beloved Son who is cherished by the Father. The Greek there, Aramaic and Greek, is the from the lap of the Father. Jesus Christ is from the lap of the Father. Everything about this giving of the Son, everything about the revealing of the Father's heart, is to pull us out of an understanding of God that is technical and legal and put us into an understanding of God that is relational and tender from the lap of the Father. Jesus was given from the lap of the Father. He came from the very bosom of the Father, from the heart of the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one, you know, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus came, Father was in Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus gave his life, died on the cross, all those things were not a technicality. They were realities of relationship that would bring us from where we are, lost, not in God, and would put us in a place where by the Holy Spirit, Christ is in us, like the Father was in Christ. This is not heresy, people. This is the gospel. That Christ is in us. Like the Father was in Christ. Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit. And as we are together, members together of one another, we, plural, are the body of Christ on the earth. Not one single person. I met a person once who thought she, singular, was the bride of Christ. And she had to be ta- helped. Because we, singular, are not the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. But we together, corporately, we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ because Christ is in us. Plural. Not just one person. All of Christ is not in one. Christ is in us. The hope of glory. And so I just want to tell you today that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. You do. I don't need you. I've got, I've got all of God right here. Whoa, Jesus. <laughs> in Christ dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the church dwells Christ. And Christ is in us as the hope of glory, but he's in us as the body. And so we say, oh, the body at Shekinah is the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. No, every believer all over the world. It's not that just one group or one section of people have this reality. We need each other because people have parts and anointings and gifts given through Christ and in Christ that is in you that won't be, that is in them that won't be in you. Because God, when he gave his son, gave his son to be in us. Like he was in his son. Not in a technical way, not in a legal way, in a relational way. So from the lap of the Father, an idiom of closest intimacy came Christ. And this one who was in the closest intimacy with the Father... Is in me. Is in you. If you're a believer. In Jesus Christ. You can't say Jesus is the Lord. Except the Spirit give you the grace to declare it and say it. And so if you can do that and you can say that and he is in you. Then you have in you. This wonderful capacity for a relationship with the Father in heaven. This is how we can pray our Father. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Christ. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying. Our Father's not looking and saying, "'Oh, gosh, Peggy. It's Peggy. Oh, it's Peggy. What's she got to say today?' He's looking and when Peggy comes and says, "Oh, father," he doesn't say, "Oh, there's Peggy." He says, "Oh, there's my son out of my own lap, living in Peggy and crying out for his kingdom and his dominion to be spread in the earth." And he I'm perfecting Peggy. And you know what our end is? Our end is to be made you tell me into his image David said by prophetic in the Psalms, when I awake, I will be in his likeness. So God is perfecting us with his word, with his spirit. And I just want to put to you today this idea about Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, a son was given right out of the lap of the father to be in you so you can have a piece of right out of the lap of the Father in you. And you can know the intimacy and the relationship of closeness and trust and love and acceptance and affection that Jesus Christ had of the Father. And so in John 17, he said, the glory I had, I'm given them. What you've given me, Father, I'm given them. And then he says, oh, and now y'all don't, the Father's just going to listen to you because I've poured so much into you. And so, God's called us to relationship, to love, to affection. So when you think of Christmas and you think of the little baby Jesus, it's not a cute prayer from Talladega Nights. It is baby Jesus came into the world, and when baby Jesus came into the world, we realize this baby came out of a virgin by the Word of God. This baby is a born Son of God. God is a Father. This baby is a born Son of God. Oh, God is a Father. He came right out of the lap of the Father. And then when we receive Christ, we're not receiving a technicality. Like I've signed the card Open your heart and let the Holy Spirit fill you with the reality that you've received the one who had intimate care and relationship and closeness to a father. That you've received into your own spirit the one who was dead and is alive forever, who came right out of the lap of the father. And that intimacy and care and love and relationship that Jesus has with the father is you. Is for you. You don't have to try to cook up a relationship with God. i got to do 16 of these. I'm, I'm going to try to get more healthy this year. Oh, God, have mercy. Uh, and so I've got like 16 little different things. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We don't ever have to do that about God. Because this amazing intimacy of love is in us by the Holy Spirit. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. You tell me the rest of the verse. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Not my daddy's Bill Nye, a science guy. Not my daddy is great kick-butt lawyer. No. My daddy is one who cuddles me, dandles me on his knee, nurtures me, loves me, cares for me, watches over me, gives me advice that keeps me safe, warns me, blesses me, pours his love on me, gives to me gift heaped on gift. Gives me life. And I want to promise you your Father in heaven. When He put the Spirit of His Son in you, crying, Abba, Father, He put live forever, Gabriella" right into you. He put live forever, Kelly, right into you. He put live forever, Shane, right into you. Because the Spirit witnesses, we have this everlasting Father, this magnificent strategist, this wonderful counselor in our hearts. So let's just uh, pray for a little bit. Father, just give your heart to the Lord and pray. Just uh, ask the Lord to make real to you the wonder of this. Father, we pray that in this this day, in this moment, right now, that all the hurts and wounds and whatever's of our lives will begin to melt away from the Father who can never die. That what you have placed in us when we... We said, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. You put that relationship in us. You sealed us with a spirit that was relational. You sealed us with a spirit that's crying, Poppy, Poppy, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Abba. You put a childlike cry of prayer in us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you today, give us a Christmas present. Give us a new fa-la-la-la. Let there come a revelation and a freshness and a renewing of who we are in you. That this baby didn't come so we could go, oh, little baby. But this baby came to say, oh, everlasting Father, I'm going to take you to him. I'm going to lead you down that way. I'm going to give you that life. And I'm going to live in you the relationship I have with my Father. It's coming into you crying, oh, Poppy, Abba, Abba, Father, 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 Father. Abba. Oh, we open our hearts wide to you, Father. Let the Holy Spirit make real to us the reality of what you have done when you gave a son. And over the next days, let us eat on it, think on it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. Thank you, revelation of heaven. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I want to have a relationship with you, God. I want my relationship with you to be affection and love. And a fear that is of affection, not a fear that is of somebody's going to hit me, beat me, or whatever. Oh, God, give me such burning love and affection. Let that spirit that is in me of the affection out of the lap of the Father, let that love burn in me and let it increase. And over the days of this holiday, let it increase. I ask you for that, Father. I need your love. And I need more of your love. I long to see you as you really are, not as religion has taught me or life has scarred me to see. I want to see you as you are. I want to see you as you are. Oh, Holy Oh, holy one. Oh, Poppy. Oh, Poppy, Poppy, Poppy. Oh, Poppy, Poppy, Poppy. Oh, Poppy, Poppy, Poppy. Oh, Poppy. Oh, Poppy. Poppy. Let us. Yeah.